0: I am the night. I am Matt Lazwitz, welcome to this week's episode of Bat Chat with Matt and Will, a Batman ranking podcast, where each week my co-host will never deny dig into three Batman stories, discuss them, and rank them on the big board, thus creating a giant list of Batman stories from best to worst. Brother Will, how you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing pretty good. I got a question for you. Uh what day is it? It is Wednesday? It is Wednesday, December 14th? No, 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 no. I mean, when the people hear this, ah, what day is it? What day is it?
0: Boy, what day is it? Well, it's Christmas Day. No, it is going to be
1: January 5th. Ah, very good. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, You got any New Year's resolutions there, Matt?
0: I've never had much luck with New Year's resolutions I'd like to get back to my walking five miles a day. I, I, you know, for the summer, it lowered down to three, and I was getting back up to five and then got hit with the COVID, and so that lowered my stamina. But I'd like to get back up to the five miles a day, provided it's not, you know, a nightmare in ice out there.
1: Very good. Very good. I was uh, I was having a, a shower today and thinking about what what I would resolve for the new year, and I decided... That I am going to be more rude, more inappropriate, more disrespectful for the people who deserve it. Okay, as long as it's focused on the
0: people who deserve it, and Lord knows there are plenty. I think that's fair.
1: So, so basically, the idea is to be less charitable toward assholes, and I'll and I'll give you an example. And, and this is maybe I'm just getting older maybe i'm just getting surlier maybe i'm just being more online but uh yeah i'm from alabama our state's uh in the new year our our state's senior senator one tommy tuberville i don't have to respect him right he's a united states senator but he's a fucking dipshit right every speech he makes is referencing some coaching analogy he he has no point in government. He's basically everything that's wrong with everything. So I don't have to respect him. I really don't. I don't have to appreciate any thoughts he has. Uh, I don't have to think that he's doing anything good. By existing, he is an affront to everything that I cherish. So I'm just going to try to keep up that energy for the entire year. Kind of going against
0: that, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And just going in the, if you don't have anything nice to say, might as well say it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Remember, for the purposes of this show, Matt's the good cop. Coffee, donut, it's chocolate. (laughs) Back us on
0: Patreon to hear what that's a reference to.
1: Oh, deep cut.
0: But tonight, we've got uh, a Patreon request. Patreon backer Tim Rooney asked for some Bronze Age supernatural goodness. So we're looking at three very different stories of Batman fighting very different incarnations of the vampire villain known as the Monk. The first of these stories is Batman vs. the Vampire. This is from Detective Comics Volume 1, Numbers 31 and 32. The writer's Gardner Fox. With art by Bob Kane and Sheldon maldoff No colorist is credited. Letters by Maldoff And edited by Vincent Sullivan. The cover dates are September and October of 1939. The vampiric villain called the Monk has come to Batman City for his fiancée Julie Madison. And the Dark Knight must follow them to Europe to stop the monster. So in case you listen to this podcast and don't have these particular numbers off the top of your head batman's first appearance was in detective comics 27 so this is 31 and 32 we are less than six months out from batman's first appearance here this is real real early and you can get that right from the first couple panels where it says that this is a new york night so we are in a period where gotham doesn't exist as a city itself yet. And we get the first appearance of two essential pieces of bat gadgetry in this story. Your first bat plane and your first batarang, which is still spelled with an E-R, B-A-T-E-R, as opposed to A-R. So we're still finding all that. you still got, I think, Batman is hyphenate at this point.
1: Kind of like watching... Original series episodes of Star Trek where nothing was canon, they're just making it all up as they're going along. Stuff is bouncing around, time travel rules or whatever you want them to be. It's kind of magical. It is. And
0: as Golden Age stories that we've read go, this one's big and wild. And I liked this one.
1: Got a gorilla. It has a heart. Hard not to hate it. Giant, hated.
0: yeah. Giant gorilla and a pack of wolves which we'll, we'll see the wolves again later. Wolf watch? Yes. Uh, now if only there were vampire sharks that would have been a story.
1: <laughs>
0: but th- yes this is clearly a point where the canon is very much in flux because Julie Madison is addressed as Bruce Wayne's fiance and she'll pop up on and off throughout the golden age, and we'll come back here and there. I mean, we've already talked about her coming back during the Snyder run, during uh Super Heavy, and a little bit in Zero Year. And in the final story of the night, we probably get the most personality Julie Madison is ever given. But here she is nothing but a damsel in distress. Which, you know, this is 1939,
1: so what are you, what are you gonna do? What are you going to do?
0: It's not good. It's not an excuse, but it's the way of things in 1939.
1: So uh, how many other appearances of the Mad Monk do we have? Because, you know, we were talking about planning this episode and, uh, you know, I see this on the list and I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that is. I'm pretty sure
0: this is it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure there are three appearances Of the monk. And I'm pretty sure they're all really, I mean, they're really different. You've got, I don't want to give away too much of what's coming up in this episode, but you've got one golden age appearance, one bronze age appearance, and one modern age appearance. And each one is radically different than the others. It's just that he's one of the first villains that Batman ever encountered so, every now and then, somebody's like, Boy, we should reinterpret the monk. Pull
1: him out of storage, slap a new coat of paint on him.
0: And this initial one is very bare bones and very much just, Hey, it's Dracula in a monk's cowl.
1: There's probably some alternate universe where this guy really took off, and we're always complaining, God damn it, it's another mad monk story. Jesus.
0: Yeah. Although, you know, and you can even say, like, you know, Oh, you remember all those years right after the code where the monk didn't reappear for 30 years because of the comics code? And then he came back and he was huge. The Mad Monk's five-way revenge.
1: (laughs) Uh, You pull out some obscure, oh, wait, we're doing an episode about some weird clown villain? God, we're just running out of ideas. Yeah, I mean, why would Batman fight a clown?
0: Why would Batman fight a clown? But yeah, I mean, here, you know, he, he wants to take Batman's fiance, a la Dracula going after Mina Harker. And he's putting the whammy on people, and he's got wolves, and you meet Dala, his, his bride. She oddly has a lot
1: of agency. Like, there's points where she's bossing the monk around. And of course, she shows up several times tonight, yeah. or in all of our stories, in yeah. all sort of different interpretations. Yeah. It's like in all the cases,
0: they're trying to find a way to make these characters work. And the first version is just very, It's as I said, it's very basic. It's very golden age. There is a, a little less narration here than we've seen in some of the other Golden Age stuff. And that might be the difference between Gardner Fox and Bill Finger. But this this one was a story that I first read in that greatest Batman stories ever told trade that I like to talk about that I got when I first started reading comics. And so I have a soft spot for this story. And the modern sort of retelling of it that we'll get to at the end of the night is from a, a favorite creator of mine. So I have a soft spot for the monk. There are a lot of those golden age leaps in logic and such here, like Bruce bringing Julie to the doctor who the monk happens to have put the whammy on, who has the great line about, you know, yes, she go to Paris and then Hungary, land of history and werewolves.
1: Yes, werewolves. Like,
0: I'm sorry, Bruce, that should have probably cued you even more that y- you don't want to go and send Julie off on her own. You couldn't have gotten a cabin on that ship. Like, following her in the bat plane, good, but you probably should have been on the ship. Oh, and another bit of canon that still isn't there. How does Batman take out the monk in the end? Shoots him with a gun. Silver bullets... Like I don't necessarily have an issue with Batman fighting vampires and eliminating them since they're you know technically already dead and are blood sucking fiends, but staking, things like that. I, again, we're in a period where Batman would still easily use a gun.
1: Staking. Yeah, that was that was a weird turn because you know the the vampire lore. It's always the the stakes. Um, seems like we're mixing our. Uh... Our, uh, our demons here with the werewolves and the silver bullets and whatnot.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of conflation with
1: vampires and
0: werewolves in this story. Like, I don't think they say vampire maybe once and they say werewolves half a dozen times. I do like that there's the point where Batman is trapped in a pit with a bunch of wolves and he keeps having to use knockout gas on them. It's just, it's funny to think, like, okay, gotta get my way out of here. Oh, gas the wolves. Okay, can't quite get the Battering around that thing i've got to guess the wolves again
1: uh ah, the world's most arduous platformer i like in the uh, the digital copies you can see that it was clearly scanned from the newsprint and they cleaned it up the best they could they colored it recolored it the best they could you know it's uh, it's interesting to see the artifacts from time and digital preservation efforts
0: Oh, and for those out there who have Infinite and want to read these, they do something real weird with these early detective comics. They only list every other issue and every issue is two stories. So 32 is 32 and 33 and... 30 is 30 and 31, and they only do the leads. They didn't do all of the non-Batman stuff in each issue.
1: Yeah, and that's how it is on uh, Comicsology, And, of course, we want to read for the Batman, but, you know, just like with an old-time radio show, I want to hear the c- commercials. I want to get the full context. I want to see what these other stories were. Uh, but, you know.
0: It's the same with the Bronze Age story we'll be doing next. The digital versions only have the lead batman story and not the catwoman backups at the time which seemed like something you'd even really want to keep in there because they're catwoman backups
1: they're very much tied into batman odd and and it's not you know we see a lot of digital comics it's it's a rights issue right but dc still owns all this stuff it's just maximizing the return on their resources i guess they don't have an infinite army of people to handle these uh these digital conversions
0: And in the case of some of this stuff, the digital versions are in trades. So I assume they've just sort of popped out the digitized files from the trades and broken them down. And since the backups weren't included in what was digitized, it wasn't worth the extra effort to pull that stuff and scan it in. But someday it would be wonderful to have a full archive, you know? But it's why all my print copies are, have still some use to them.
1: Oh, you had a you had a Detective Comics number thirty laying around. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if only. And I like that the monk.
0: He's in he for you know a medieval vampire guy. He's got some elaborate stuff going on, not just you know happening to have like a two story ape. But he also has a giant net that catches the bat plane. He uh, he likes his nets. He really does. It's so like I can get we'll get with the werewolves. I mean, Dracula could control wolves, but you know, I, I don't know where the murders on the Rue Morgue ape comes in. And again, that's probably because we're dealing with a very specific homage in the second, uh, the third story of the night. But we see Batman melting down something to make the silver weapons that he needs to stop the vampires. Aha, a silver statue. Convenient that the vampires would keep that around. And this one also jumps in pretty much in media res. Like Julie Madison is already in the monk's thrall. Like we don't see why the monk picked her or how any of that ha- that happened. It's just like oh She's out stalking some dude, and Batman stops her, and you don't know why she's doing it. You don't know what led to this. you it's just like she's out there, and Batman got involved and yeah, again, Canon was a not important thing at this point.
1: Do your notes uh say anything about why this story is also important that I got from the uh comicsology copy? No.
0: I know various reasons, but nothing beyond that.
1: Well, if the uh, if the website is to be believed, this is the first two part story. Yes,
0: we are very early in that. Wow. Yeah, I'd, I I remember that that was in mentioned in the the greatest Batman stories ever told trade. They were talking about why some of these stories were selected. But yeah, and boy, it's funny that we go from this, and we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute, but. The next story, which is so deeply serialized, the thing that we're going from something where canon is so minor to something that is so mired in soap opera.
1: It's interesting to see even in 39, they had a sense that Batman was going to be a hit, right? Because these books are 60 pages at the time. There was the space to pay off this story in a single month, but they're like... We'll get the we'll get the kitties coming back next month to see how the story concludes.
0: Yeah, I I wondered if this is the first two part Batman or I wonder if they'd even done two part Superman's at this point. I mean, it's interesting because we're still a ways off of Batman number one. But even that has two Joker stories in one issue that originally ended with Joker's death. So they weren't even sure about the, you know, the Joker being a hit at that point but they, they've already they'd already done this once i i i remember that and i'd completely forgotten to put that in my notes
1: i'm helping
0: i i think we've we've covered everything we need to on this one
1: uh that means it's time to put detective comics number 31 and 32 on the big board
0: hey look at that we are now over 200 stories on the big board on the long march toward 300. Yep, number one remains Batman Year One, the post crisis origin of Batman. Down at number 50 is Batman and Robin and Howard.
1: And coming in at a sexy 69 is Batman number 291 to 294. Where were you the night Batman was killed?
0: Down at number 100 is. Fearless, Ed Brubaker's first Batman story, down at 150, is The Little Red Book, a Batman Adventures mob story. And hey, guess what? All the way down at the bottom, it's still Batman White Knight.
1: (gasps) Where do we start with this one? Well... The very first appearance is at 186, Detective Comics number 27 case, of The Chemical Syndicate. I think it's better than that. Oh, definitely. Uh what about
0: 174, Robin the Boy Wonder, the first Robin store?
1: Uh, I feel like that's got it on importance.
0: First two-part story. Batman's first real encounter with the supernatural. First appearance of a batarang. Yes, Robin is probably <laughs> more seismic a shift. All right, yeah, because Robin is currently the second highest Golden Age story we have behind the the Santa Claus one from a couple episodes ago. But that's only a couple spots higher. Um. All right. So if it's not quite above that, I mean, I would not put it below one. 77, that Scarecrow Annual. Uh, I would definitely reread this before I reread that. See, though, but you're not an academic. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, even if you could argue that, below that is the arrow and the bat, that five-part weird Batman Green Arrow story from Legends of the Dark Knight.
1: Mm, no, I, I would put this above probably spawn batman that was that was not good that was not a fun time
0: all right so we'll make this the new 176 right below Beware of poison ivy yeah all right sounds good
1: oh also to all the listeners out there um don't tell us if the new one is bad we haven't read it yet i haven't read it yet but i will have read it by the time you listen to this
0: yes and we will have covered it on the weekly bat chat over on comics xf so come on over and read our column
1: quickly what do you think of uh, capullo heading over to marvel
0: i'm not surprised you know he's been with dc for how long ever yeah i mean the new 52 so you know th- that is the kind of thing that happens and so, uh, I mean, I think that will will he'll spend some time over there, and then, quite possibly, he'll come back, or he'll do some stuff, some creator own stuff. Since that never affects any of that, he probably has some more stuff lined up with Snyder on the creator own front. Maybe a second volume of We Have Demons or something like
1: that. One of those comicsology books that nobody's reading. You know the, the the one that they've got, Night of the Ghoul. I've been reading the print ones
0: that have been coming out from Dark Horse. It's uh, Snyder and Frank Avia. Very nice. Gorgeous. Absolutely stunning. But it's Frank Avia. I mean, what do you expect? Our second story of the night is Nightmare in Crimson. This is Batman Volume 1, numbers 349 to 351, and Detective Comics Volume 1, number 517. The writers are Jerry Conway and Paul Levitz, with pencils by Gene Colan, inks by Alfred Alcala, and... Todd DeZuniga. Colors by Adrian Roy. Letters by Janice Chang, Annette Kowecki, and Ben Oda, and edited by Dick Giordano. The cover dates are July to September of 1982. Fallen under the sway of the vampire Dala, Robin leads Batman into the arms of the monk. Can the dynamic duo fight the vampire's curse and find their humanity? So this is specifically the story that was Tim's request. And This is during one of the most deeply serialized periods of the Bat-titles. It was basically one comic running back and forth in between Batman and Detective.
1: Because You have several major story threads going here. The the Academy of Crime, uh, which we're we're not going to touch on because that was happening previous to. Um, You have Gordon... And you have uh, the possibility of Bruce Wayne's nighttime affairs being discovered. Like all of these interesting little plot threads weaving throughout the story. And they're not necessarily paid off in this arc. And it's interesting to see long-term storytelling in an era where you maybe don't necessarily associate with that. I miss that stuff.
0: I want to go back honestly and try to figure out At some point, when we stopped expecting that, and it might be as the new 52, because even during the the Morrison era, their sort of central spine reverberated through the other books. But even then, there wasn't these sort of continuing plot threads. That was the 90s. Maybe it was No Man's Land. That saw the end of, of that kind of stuff? I don't know, but it's, it's interesting to see that. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the stuff with Jim Gordon and Jason Bard is a great example. You would not see that sort of thing running back and forth from book to book anymore.
1: And if you did, it would be a backup.
0: Yeah. Or the human target. That was That was fun to see that character popping up here. I'd forgotten that he he popped up in the Bat books in this era. The next issue, which isn't really a part of this story, like this ends. I guess technically it ends on the first three pages of Detective Five Eighteen, but it's like, oh yeah, Batman's not a vampire anymore, and the priest is getting rid of the vampires. The story really ends at the end of Batman Three Fifty One. But all the stuff with Bruce's identity maybe being made public wraps up in that next issue.
1: Interesting way to uh, to sell your comics there.
0: I think that was a time where they were really starting to believe that so much of the core of their audience was continuing readers. So people were going to buy one book, they were going to come back for the next. So for the, 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 the stuff that we are going to discuss here, Yeah, this is a very different take on Dala and the Monk. Uh, How familiar are you with the oeuvre of Stephen King, Will?
1: Like the biggest honking weirdo on the face of the planet. I went straight from Goosebumps to Stephen King. I know, right?
0: You were preaching to the choir. I went from like, because Goosebumps was a little after my time, but I went from like you know, scary stories, tell in the dark, straight into the master of horror.
1: Yeah, that's like I—I I should not have been reading King when I was in sixth grade, but nobody stopped me. I waited until eighth, but, but <laughs> and I made the
0: arduous decision to start with The Stand, which oh, and I—I I couldn't get quite into it with time. But then I read Eyes of the Dragon, and that was much more entry level. And then I went back to The Stand after that, but nonetheless
1: uh but yeah i uh back in the day i read the stand kujo you know i probably hit the the high points but i haven't picked up a king in i don't know a decade plus i'm I'm a not much of a point. reader
0: i miss having the time but what struck me here is the visual for the monk if you are at all familiar you will or you the reader with Salem's Lot, the book has the the master vampire, Barlow, very much in the Dracula mold. Very slick and very, I do not drink. wine Sort of look. When they did the film adaptation, which was, I believe, a TV miniseries back in the the day they went instead with a nosferatu look nosferatu as in the classic horror film and this version of the monk very much looks like that and that film adaptation was from 79 so i would assume that there was a certain cross-pollination to what a scary vampire would look like in this point. I mean, he's very silent. He's very bald and menacing and fangy. And Dala does most of the talking here.
1: Yeah. We haven't hit uh interview with a vampire and gotten sexy vampires yet. No, we are still a ways off.
0: Well, when did the book version of interview come out? The book version. I'm going to, tangent for a second because you know why not but can i just say at one point i was reading an article recently and they cited the talk it was a talking about lord of the rings and they said you know in the tolkien's novelization words have meaning those are not novelizations no you know actually interview the book came out in 76 Earlier than I would have imagined. Yeah, I thought it was the early '80s, but we're still. I don't think it had reached pop culture critical mass by '82. No. Yeah, I wonder like when did the like the series? Yeah, I mean, it's nearly a ten year gap in between it and the second novel, the the Vampire Lestat. That one doesn't hit until '85, but. Dala is the sexy vampire. She's the seductress, the siren. Yeah, I kind of want wonder because we talked about the serialization. How long she and Dick had been dating before this came about? Before it turned out she was a vampire. And it seems like it was a plot thread for a while. There, that it's not like oh they were to get, like this issue opens with him tied up. And we're just being thrown into it. It's like, it. It seems like there was some sort of something going on. But I would have to go back. And this is shortly before I my run of singles starts. So I'm still filling back through this point.
1: So I haven't read all of this. Well, I will tell you, flipping through this, uh, this Conway trade that I'm reading the story, the previous issue has some great Matches Malone content. Ooh. Just looking over it now.
0: Ooh, I, we, we might have to, to
1: read that at some point because, you know, we both love some matches. So looking at this, and again, I haven't read it. I'm just scanning over it. Their relationship goes back to at least Batman 346. Okay, so this was being
0: built up for a while. And I kind of wonder if it was another case of Chekhov's Two-Face where if you kn- recognize the name as an old school, you know, fan who read... I get I mean, it's not like this stuff was readily available in '82. No,
1: no, but the one, the one geezer who did read it is like, I know what that's gonna be. Oh, run away, Robin.
0: She's gonna (laughs) bite you. And and can I say Dick could not get away with being a creepy stalker now, like he could in this story, where it's like Dala breaks up with him, so he decides to
1: follow her around as Robin. Oh, oh, ooh. So, uh whatever issue this is that we're not reading, as as Dick is, like, stalking her, here's some, uh, here's some internal narration. What happened to us, Dala? For a while, I thought we had something good going. Call it a romance, call it a friendship. Sure, you're older than me, but that didn't seem to matter. So why did you suddenly turn me off? <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh the past. Everything is lousy now, but everything
1: was worse back then. I'm going to follow you tonight, Dalla, but not as Dick Grayson. Maybe it's pride, but after the way you dropped me cold, if you spot someone tagging you, I don't want it to be Dick.
0: Oh Dick. Oh, 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 Robin. But yeah, so by the end of this story, or by the middle of this story, both Robin and Batman have been turned into vampires
1: ah uh, yes this story walked so red rain could run and and i just i just want to share my my favorite line aside from the one i just read uh and what we actually read for tonight in uh and after batman has been turned i have needs now alfred dirty horrible needs <laughs> uh that's uh ah it's it, it's so horny it's so perfect so beautiful i love it
0: and let's not forget that vampirism is in so many ways symbolizing sex penetration fluids you add that line in there and it's like oh boy there's a whole lot going on in this this story but it's
1: felt kind of decompressed. Well, I mean, we don't get a whole lot about Batman and Robin turning. That that part, which seems to be very central to the story, felt very compressed. It's like they get bitten and like three panels later, they're like, oh, my soul is lost. I'm so angry, but I also I need blood. The first issue has so much recap of Dick's.
0: Relationship and stalking of Dala. And the second part has the whole thing with the party and getting there. You'd think a story where Batman becomes a vampire would have more Batman as a vampire.
1: But it's the code book. True. But by 82, you could do vampires. But could you do, could you do Red Rain though? No,
0: but okay. A, love the art here. I'm a huge Gene Colan fan, huge Gene Colan fan. And you could probably argue this point, but for me, Gene Colan, first and foremost, is known for his 70 issues on Marvel's Tomb of Dracula. So this is a guy who knows how to draw a vampire. And those were code books. That was after the code had lifted... Although I will say we're when you get to the origin of the monk here, oh boy,
1: oh boy
0: uh well we a we have all sorts of problematic stuff, and there's some uh implied Lannister uh,
1: they they might have had some dirty horrible needs uh, we'll just yeah. leave it at that,
0: yeah, because here Dala and the monk are siblings, but there there is some uh some uh european nobility stuff going on here but yeah that whole i I don't entirely know why when you're going with vampires you have to go with the post-civil war south and the monk as asshole who still believes he should be able to treat former slaves how he wants and so they curse him to be a vampire.
1: And he loses, like, I don't know, most of his, I guess, intellect and rationality and just becomes more of a monster creature type deal. Yeah.
0: And there's the priest, Father Green, who I kind of he seems to be know all about the vampires. Was it clear that he was hunting them or does it just seem to be coincidence that he's here?
1: It seemed very coincidental.
0: Which, you know, all it would need was one line that he's been traveling for years trying to, you know, hunting these vampires. But instead, it's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I've done all this research and, oh, I stumbled across Robin and I have put all of this together. And yeah, Colin can't cut loose in the same way that Kelly Jones does, obviously, because, you know, code book and 82, but it's still the his vampire Batman is something intimidating.
1: Oh does Batman kill a dude as a vampire? Uh it's strongly implied. Like he, he swoops down on a mugger and then after he he says basically sorry about that. Yeah
0: it doesn't doesn't seem good for for old Marley, I believe his name was, and boy, also speaking of Dick Grayson, the creep, he makes uh, a pass at Vicky Vale and tries to drink her blood. Yeah, this was this was not a, a good time for Dick Grayson.
1: Well, yeah, he's a
0: vampire,
1: you know. They have
0: dirty, horrible deeds.
1: Yeah, and and this
0: is an interesting period because it's right when Batman has moved back to Wayne Manor from having spent a number of years living in Gotham proper. And there's a line about Dick having moved back to the manor, which struck me as odd because Dick is in is is like this is the new Teen Titans era. So Dick is in New York with the Titans. So that seems to be some fuzzy continuity there. But
1: look, by the time you get to Star Trek Nemesis—they're—they're they're tired of explaining why Worf shows back up on the Enterprise. He's just there. You just roll with it.
0: Oh well, no! I th- I mean, this was a fun story. I, I think it probably could have used another issue
1: or two of Batman struggling with being a vampire. Again, I—I I- I have to figure there's some kind of strategic reason for that. Maybe they've just figured that we can't tell that story. Yeah, we, we comment all the time. Like, why is this main Batman title just so action, so little character development? Like, maybe that's what editorial wants. And maybe editorial was not really comfortable with the idea of getting the story too dark. Uh, but absent those sorts of concerns, yeah, I think you would really would want more uh, of that here. Because we have him in several... Sp- Space is like you know lamenting his soul, like basically consigning himself to the damned. Like let's let's develop that some more. And on that note, well, that means it's time to put Nightmare and Crimson on the big board.
0: I mean, I'm I'm thinking we're somewhere in the the middle of the list.
1: Yeah, smack. In the middle of the list, let's say that Batman Year One Hundred now at one hundred one. Batman Year One Hundred is more
0: ambitious. I would probably go back to this before I'd go back to super heavy
1: at one hundred eight. Oh God, it's so long, and it's so not Batman. Like I can't get over like how 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 much you're going to miss the thread of a Batman story putting Jim Gordon in a mecha suit and calling that Batman. It's overthinking it.
0: How does the new 106,
1: that's below Secret of the Waiting
0: Graves, which is the first Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams Batman story. But before the remarkable ruse of the Riddler, that one Riddler story where he numbs his face so Batman can punch him like a weevil.
1: <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And once again, I lament poor Batman Judge Dread being below super heavy.
0: Yeah, that's that's one that we will adjust.
1: One day, one day. So that's Nightmare and Crimson at
0: one oh six. Our final story of the night is Batman and the Mad Monk. This is Batman and the Mad Monk numbers one to six with art and story by Matt Wagner. Colors by Dave Stewart, letters by Rob Lee, and edited by Brendan Montclair and Bob Schreck. Cover dates are October of 2006 to March of 2007. As a still new Batman tries to find his footing in Gotham, a cult called the Brotherhood of Eternal Night hunts the city's forgotten. Can this cult, led by Dala and the Monk, be stopped before Julie Madison is their next victim?
1: I had a trade idea. Year one, long Halloween, and this story. Yeah.
0: We would also need this is the second of two six issue linked miniseries by Wagner. The first one is Batman and the Monster
1: Man, which takes which we attention. had talked about reading.
0: And I think we will in an episode coming up where we will do the three versions of Batman and the Monster Man, which is the original Batman and the Monster Man from Batman number one the miniseries, and Night of the Monster Men, the New 52 crossover. And we I think year one, followed by these two, followed by The Man Who Laughs, which is the Brubaker-Mankey retelling of the first Joker story, and then right into Long Halloween, would give you sort of that overarching tale of Batman's early years from this era.
1: That'd be a good fucking trade.
0: Yeah. But this is a good story. I'm a huge, huge Matt Wagner fan. Whether it's his Batman work, whether it's Mage, or whether it's Grendel. And this is a solid book and stunning to look at.
1: And man, does it ever nail the ending.
0: Yeah. So this takes the initial Batman and the Vampire and instead brings Builds out a lot of the little bits you have there. Oh, and by the way, the the two halves of that story, uh, Monster Man and Mad Monk, were known cohesively, the two, as Dark Moon Rising. But this is a much more grounded version of that story and leaves a lot of ambiguity as to... If there's anything really supernatural going on.
1: Which is exactly how you want to tell the story in a modern era. Perfect. Batman speculates, you know, I, and you've said this line before. So now I know where it comes from. Like, you know, Batman's like, look, Superman is real. Aliens are real. Vampires could be real. I don't know. You know, there's some weird stuff going on here. But I think the implications in this story certainly are that these guys are all just weirdos, uh, which is uh, you know, where, I, where I would like my modern Batman to land.
0: Yeah, there's a little hint at the end that there might be something more supernatural going on here, but you can just read that as crazy cult stuff and brush it
1: off. And the cult is obviously just a bunch of weirdos. And I like how... It's almost like a scam. It's like, keep following me, brothers. You'll eventually get eternal life. We'll eventually do the thing. You just got to hang in there a little bit longer. Uh, bring on board some of your friends. We'll get there together. But remember, you'd have to do everything I say or you will be punished.
0: Not, Not at all what a cult would do. No, of course not. And I mean, I hinted at it in the beginning, but this is by far the most character Julie Madison has ever gotten anywhere. Especially once we read Monster Man and you see the, the arc of the character there from Monster Man through Mad Monk. She actually has, she has as much agency as anyone does in a vampire story when they are the vampire's victim. But she makes a choice in the end. It's not a Bruce like, no, I can't be with you because I'm Batman. She's like, no, I can't deal with this. This is fucked up. You basically get my daddy killed. Yeah. And again, you get the stuff with Moroni and the Roman here very much fitting in with long Halloween.
1: And I like how Julie, you know, she is depicted as being under his influence, but you can science a lot of that away. Okay. So she was anemic. She was just stressed, happened to be very susceptible she told she was see, seeing, what was it, a, a, a hypnotherapist, something like that. And if you believe it's going to work, it might work. So you could rationalize everything that was happening to her. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah,
0: And especially after you've gotten out of Monster Man, which is not, I mean, it's horror, but it's crazy science horror. It's, you know, Hugo Strange and formulas and growth formula and stuff like that, which is granted weird and comic book science but it's science uh, listen I I've said I have no problem with a Batman and the Supernatural story but you gotta give me certain prerequisites on it and I like the you know ambiguity of this I think it really does a good job with this story
1: certainly better than something like uh, you know Batman and Superman versus vampires and werewolves <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I mean, and then you've got this take on Dala, who is both very much her own thrall to the monk, but also, again, I I don't want to use agency, is the wrong word because she is definitely in his thrall, but she's got more dimension than I think either of the other Dalas has. Like, you get her backstory, at least hints of it. Of, you know, her being from a war torn regions of Europe and wanting to escape it all. And the monk who here is just the worst kind of rich asshole preying on
1: her. And it's clear Wagner was having a good time with this. Like this is you can see all of these traps very much an homage to the original Mad Monk story. Oh yeah, down
0: to him melting down Alfred's candlesticks for silver batarangs, which is is pretty great. And the fact that when Bruce hits the monk with the silver batarang and impales him it doesn't do any good any worse than anything else would. It's like, "Oh. See?
1: Science. <laughs> Empirical observation." Taking yeah. the original details from the the mad monk's costume. I mean, that's a nice touch.
0: Yeah. And I I like, the Mad Monk's name here is Nikolai Tsepish, which Flaad Tsepish is is a Dracula reference. So it's like, oh, okay, so you're, you're going with, you're, you're adding that little aspect. And I like how Wagner plays Gordon. And what oh. Gordon was going through in this story.
1: Oh my god, this Gordon is tough as nails.
0: Three guys, each of whom have like a head on top of Gordon, come and surround him. I love that the, the line in Gordon's internal narration is they're distancing themselves. They're getting they were they remember what happened to Flas.
1: <laughs> I beat that son of a bitch with a baseball bat and left him in the woods. Don't fuck with me.
0: And Gordon would have beaten him if he hadn't. You know, he, he didn't smoke him too much. and He got a coughing jag and that 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 got him. But, and of course then Batman comes in and just kicks their asses. And that's right after Bruce has his second encounter with Selina, right? It, it's the first time he met her after year one in the Roman. Again, a nice little acknowledgement of year one in the Roman. We see the Roman with the the Catwoman scars. It, it's like Wagner kids all those little details in there.
1: In many ways, it feels like, you know, dancing in between the raindrops, trying to tell these stories with this kind of style and all these obvious references. But it felt really good.
0: We have to go back and read Monster Man to see all of the the stuff leading into it about Julie Madison's father and his dealings with Moroni. That's all from uh, Monster Man. But watching him slowly unravel over the course of six issues is rough. There are times where I felt like Wagner was setting up some other stuff because there's a whole plot line, a dropped plot line about a ton of heroin that never gets paid off. Unless I'm forgetting. Uh,
1: Well, he goes back to it in the end. Uh, He seems to connect the Joker to it right that's
0: the payoff
1: but that seems like oh that's that's Wagner doing the first Joker story which he could do any day I would enjoy that I'd love to see Wagner doing the Joker no this is our second
0: Wagner because we've done uh faces we still have uh Monster Man and we still have Trinity the telling of the first time Batman Superman and Wonder Woman met
1: Oh, I haven't gone back to reread Trinity in in ages. Uh, But I will say, if if any of you out there are big uh, Wagner fans, like Matt here, most of the stuff we have talked about is collected in one uh, Wagner trade, Legends of the Dark Knight, uh, Matt Wagner. We have Faces. Uh, We've got The Riddle Factory, which is something we haven't covered. Story from Black and White the monster men uh the mad monk and then a story uh, he did the art for and uh, tom king uh, tom king's run batman 54
0: wagner just he's obviously enjoying the hell out of the different designs and the different costuming all of dollas outfits the dress that he puts julie in <laughs> when they're going they're about to sacrifice her is ornate he didn't need to go out of his way to make all of these designs but he designed this book to the nines
1: god his work is so good i'm just uh flipping through faces right now it's uh. it- Oh, and we we
0: really need to at some point on our another bit about intercompany crossovers cover both eventually of his Batman Grendel crossovers because you'll you'll get one of my sort of patented spiel's about how Hunter Rose the first Grendel is the ultimate example of the anti-Bat that he is exactly what Batman would be. As the player on the other side, more much more so than anyone who's designed to be this sort of convenient, direct analog. But that is for when we cover Batman Grendel. Oh. I love it. Batman finding his way out of each of the, the traps, like using the batarangs to wedge the the collapsing walls and plastique to blow open the, the trap door. Kind of brutal killing that one
1: wolf. He had to.
0: Yeah, it was going to. the last
1: resort. But, you know, just pick it up and bang it against a wall until it's uh, dead.
0: And, and the monk's downfall is, you know, it, it needed like a, a laugh line. So, like, I'm fighting with you with this metal-tipped spear on the roof in the middle of a lightning storm. There's no way this could end poorly. Zot. Wah-wah.
1: I l- I like the monk as cult leader. Oh yeah, it's again a modern telling of the story. It's perfect. And Julie, I like the the end for Julie
0: Madison that that she gets out. She chooses to leave Gotham because, in the end, her father's death, even though he really more or less commits suicide by Moroni's thugs was because of the fear that Bruce instilled in him in monster men. And she couldn't just be, she couldn't do it. It's tragic because Bruce clearly cared for her, but it's one of those early examples of, you just can't have all of these things
1: and be Batman. You can't live those two lives. I will say that. I thought Peace Corps in Africa was a little cliche, like a, a little too white savior colonial. Okay, I can I can see that, that. That, but the the idea of her just saying I can't I can't do this anymore. I mean that that does hit. That does resonate. I like her going off to make the world a better place. You could have done it in a
0: way that was less colonial.
1: Yeah. You could have sent her out to
0: Eastern Europe where the monk came from.
1: She could have gone off to save the penguins. Everyone should try to save the penguins. Yeah, penguins ain't done nothing to nobody. Well, except for the fish. That guy. I think I'm good. Uh, Well, I believe that I am good as well. So that means it's time to put Batman versus the Mad Monk on the big board. We're going up. Got to be top fifty. Okay, I, I was I was trying to
0: figure if we were. I was think I was thinking at least top seventy five, if not top fifty. So I'm I'm definitely in a top fifty place. I think it's probably a, somewhere around fifty. Yeah. As much as I like Venom, which is at fifty one, I think I would come back to this before I come back to Venom. Yep. Uh, I think I'd come back to this before I came back to Cry for Blood, the Huntress miniseries at 49.
1: Mystery Casebook at 48 is undeniably fun, but this is more core to the Batman mythos and has all of these just great ties to modern and even historical storytelling.
0: Yeah. I'm wondering if we... So 46 is Vengeance of Bane. His first appearance of Bane, so it's important. It's a solid story with some really good development. Like you read that story and you know who Bane is right out of that story. And below that is the Batman Adventures Annual, which is fun, but is not as consequential. I think this goes right in between those two. Works for me. All right. New number, 47. That does it for tonight. Next week, it's episode 69. Nice.
1: And the stupidest episode
0: yet. Yep, because we are going full wacky with uh, three Batman comics that have spawned internet memes. Aha! Finally! Will has been pitching this one since about episode three. So, Yep. It, it, it's going to be fun. Take your guess on which which ones we've got here, but it, it's gonna be it, it's gonna be a good time, and we'd like to thank our Patreon backers: Dan Grote, June, conduit of outdated joke names,
1: Jin, on.
0: Josh Wheel, Mrs. Abigail Heartbomb, mm. Asimov Fangirl, Tony Thornley, Sam Hopper, John Wickham, Robert Secundus, Bye, Bad Two Bucks, Tim Rooney, and Giorgio Sergioli for their support. You can follow this podcast on Twitter, at Batchat Comics, and The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music slash Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes drop every Thursday. You can support the podcast on Patreon, where you can get shoutouts, bonus content, pick a story, and even come on the show. If you want to hear more of my ramblings, mostly about the three C's, comics, cinema, and cats, you can follow me on Twitter at mattlast 1013 and i'm at will nevin i'm also out of here good night huntsville and be sure to visit comics xf at ComicsXF.com or at comics xf on twitter for our weekly friday bat chat roundup of new bat books for my other show wm where my longtime best friend dan grote and i interview comics creators retailers publishers journalists and other related tradespeople, as well as all the other stuff will and i are writing and stay safe out there folks gotham is not a place to be after dark